Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Just like that, the second hour is here for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Coming up in 20 minutes, Clay Travis will join us here on Hot Mike. Always a great conversation. And same can be said for Armando Salguero. Starts vacation tomorrow. He joins us a day earlier than his normal weekly visit. We'll chat with him in hour number three about all things NFL and some top headlines from mini camps and uh, OTAs as they wrap up and uh, teams begin to transition and start to gear towards all things training camp, which is about a month and, well, about six weeks away probably um, when they start rocking and rolling at the at the end of July. Um, Chad, going to be an interesting college football season uh, for, for many reasons. We've got uh, the final year of the current college football playoff with four teams and the final season where Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12, USC, UCLA, and, uh, of course, what they're doing in the Big Ten, and then who knows what's still to come in conference realignment. But the independent, Notre Dame, sticking with the new television contract at NBC, interesting 12 months or so, maybe less than that, 10 months, uh, coming up for Marcus Freeman, uh, second-year head coach for Notre Dame, former defensive coordinator, Jack Swarbrick, elevated him whenever Brian Kelly went to take the head coaching position at LSU. And then Swarbrick surprised everyone, including Marcus Freeman, by announcing that he was stepping down as the AD. And Pete Bavacqua, who is in an executive position with NBC Sports, is going to step in and become the new athletic director for the Irish. Bavacqua immediately uh, will join uh, the Irish athletic department and more or less shadow Schwarbeck for uh, the the football season starting in July, and then this goes into effect in 2024. But based on you know the shock and response from Freeman, because he was just like I was totally stunned, and you know he's he's bummed that the guy who gave him this opportunity a year after that is now stepping away, and you've got a new boss coming in. Expectations are always going to be high, but. I, I really would be surprised if Freeman's out of there after year two, just based on the, the landscape of college football, where we are, and the fact that he's learning the ropes, this new AD. That was the quote uh, in the report of how he's, he's learning from, from Jack Schwarbrick. Uh, Pete Bavak will be learning the ropes of the new position that he steps into. I find it hard to believe that Schwarbrick, uh, on his way out, would recommend anything other than Freeman being the head coach, uh, the guy that he personally elevated less than, or just over, less than 12 months ago after Brian Kelly went to become the LSU coach. I mean, it's not apples and oranges when I make this comparison, okay, because Marcus Freeman worked for Brian Kelly when Notre Dame was very successful and inherited that program, and Brian Kelly started his own and did not inherit a great situation. But Brian Kelly took over Notre Dame in 2010. His record in his first two years were 8-5. Eight 8-5, and 8-5. Eight and, eight and, and in year three, he went 12-1 and one and played for a national championship against Alabama. 
Marcus Freeman is 9-4 and four in his first full season. Made some coaching mistakes in that bowl game against Oklahoma State mm-hmm. in his, his debut. Lost that game, but I'm putting that on the back burner. He took over as an interim head coach. As the full-time head coach, he is 9-4 and four as the head coach. It is absurd to think that he's on the hot seat because there's a new AD coming in. Now, are you on full alert simply because the guy who elevated you, who took a big chance on a young guy that had not been there that long, came over from Cincinnati, was elevated quickly. That was, that was a player decision and a Jack Swarbrick decision to go with the players and their gut instinct and what they wanted and to elevate Marcus Freeman, who all the players really respected, liked, all those things. Should you be on your, your tippy toes? Should you be ready for anything with a new guy coming in? Sure. You don't know. You don't have that relationship with him like you have with the guy who hired you. All those things are true, but one nine and four season, and he's in somehow under pressure in year two. I, I don't buy that. And the last thing Bavakwa wants to do is to hire a new football coach. The moment he takes over, I would think so. ADs aren't itching to get there and to make a life or death career. Life or death is an AD decision in hiring a football coach. The moment they take over, not most of them hope to inherit a good situation and for it to continue to be good during their time there, and then they can manage everything else and really manage those things that aren't as successful. So he's rooting on Marcus Freeman just like anyone else. And Freeman's what? And I don't think he's on any hot seat. He, last year, he was 35, he's 36 years old now, uh, and he's the youngest head coach in the Power Five. And Bavacqua is a Notre Dame graduate of 1993. He's 51 or 52 years old. He was a walk-on punter for Lou Holtz. Okay. Bavacqua in his time at Notre Dame. And, the, and, and, and also, this is also a signal that the independent status of Notre Dame remains. We know they have the TV deal with NBC, but he's yeah. coming directly over from NBC Sports to take over the athletic program. This is almost like an olive branch of, how can we make sure that we can keep our independent status with our NBC contract? Let's bring over a guy who facilitated that contract yeah. at NBC and make sure that we can keep that money train flowing. Yeah, Notre Dame's got no reason to uh, to try to join a conference right now. If they do, it should be the Big Ten. I-, I love the SEC. It should be the Big Ten. That's where they make geographic sense. That's where everything about their school would make far more sense in the Big Ten than anywhere else. Um, they also, though, will eventually, if they make that decision, it's going to be because of a fallout with NBC or right. because they decide – we are at a competitive disadvantage with the playoff system, with NCAA tournament, men's basketball, and other things because of our conference affiliation, which wouldn't happen anyways because they're in the ACC uh, in men's basketball. So they're going to be fine there. So I don't see it happening anytime soon. What we're seeing is the, the coastal alignments across college football uh, for those that are in conferences. UCLA, UCLA joining the Big Ten. Uh, the, the story about the schedule for UCLA in 2024 – in their first year in the Big Ten, and the travel miles. 25,000 travel miles for the UCLA football program in 2024. Uh, In comparison, in 2024, Nebraska will travel a little over 7,000 miles during the football season. And to put it in perspective, UCLA is also going to play Hawaii. So they're traveling and doing that as well. But all of the road trips are, of course, uh, a long flight. And it will be the same way for teams that will travel and, and meet up with UCLA and, and SC. But it got me thinking, it, it was, was it Michigan State? I think it was Michigan State 
uh, that went to Washington or Washington State last year, and they like tr they all week the coaches are just so paranoid. All week they like they went through all these sleeping routines and they tried to change when they were waking up and like the kickoff time compared to their body clock out west, and, and they went out there and they lost the game, but. It, 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 the the records for teams in the Big Ten that go out west to play are not great over the last decade or so. And coaches were trying to change up that whatever uh, remedy they could find, they were looking for it. I, I think this will lead to even more gimmicky-like travel situations for coaches as they overthink this. Um, in the NFL, sometimes they'll, they'll travel on Friday instead of Saturday, sometimes. But that's more of the exception, not the rule. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks have a ton of travel miles every single season based on their location, and they've been a very consistent franchise. I don't think it's that much of a detriment as much as it is just you're spending a lot of time in the air, more so than you are actually getting anything done as far as recuperating from a game on the flight back and then getting back into your week. So and it was Michigan State at Washington a year ago, and it's referred to as sleep banking. Okay. And it's a theory that extra rest will help lead to peak performance. Uh, Peyton Thorne, who's now at Auburn, who transferred from Well, that would be the case Michigan for any State. week, though. Yeah. He says, I wish I could explain it to you, but I don't know the science behind it. But I know sleep is good for us. <laughs> this is what Peyton Thorne said, which is really funny. Um, Mel Tucker would not get into specifics about the preparation, but they released a video from their head athletic trainer <laughs> Providing some insight, the players wore devices to keep blood circulating while on a flight, and they wore compression tights. Uh, they're banking carbs and salt with offset fluids, and their sleep pattern changes over the course of the week. This is overthinking it 101, right, for football coaches. I'm sure some of this might help, but it's mostly overblown. Here's what I've found about young people. Um, they're resilient. College football players, they can go to a, another time zone. They can go different places. And typically, their bodies will perform just fine, especially early in a football season, uh, regardless of the time. And we know this, too. I think that night games and late night is probably a peak time for most 18- to 22-year-olds either way if it's going to be a later game as opposed to a morning game, which definitely uh, could be a problem. So I, I think most of it's overblown. But now I, I will say – they are going to be an advantage at home, UCLA and USC. Yeah. Because everyone's going to have a long flight coming in and, and you know, maybe an extra day where they're going to but be on the West Coast. Any, any road trip, as you get, the map itself is just crazy. Yeah, any so any just, road trip for the West Coast teams is a long one. I think the flight is a problem and maybe, you know, a sleep disruption could be a slight issue. Maybe an extra day away from your normal routine. Could be an extra is a problem. Yeah, navigating a road trip to begin with and making sure you know guys are where they need to be and all that could lead to issues. But while it's going to be a huge detriment to both programs to travel as far as they are, they also get the flip side of having an advantage when everyone comes to them. Uh, uh, great job, a troll job by the U.S. Open who sent Adam Hadwin uh, protective gear. Of course, he was tackled on the green uh, celebrating the Canadian Open. Uh, for his friend Nick Taylor, who won. But, but the USGA sent protective gear and put it in his, uh, in his locker in the clubhouse uh, as, uh, as a joke, which was, which was awesome. And the, the viral video continues. After Taylor sunk what was a 70-foot putt, Hadwood's bringing champagne out 
Uh, Jokic could use some tips on that, on how to do it. And he gets tackled, just uh, uh, form tackled, by the way, by the security uh, on hand there in Canada. It, it's uh, reminiscent of uh, the movie Along Came Polly, where Philip Seymour Hoffman goes up to Ben Stiller at the wedding, and he's got the slick shoes on on the wood, and he steps on the wood and slips immediately and falls in his first appearance. And I think he's saying, like, the best man is here and celebrating and just slips and falls. When you are going in to celebrate with champagne over your head and immediately get tackled by someone, this is maybe even funnier than the video we played yesterday, the fat guy through the obstacle course. There's just something hysterical about someone in a moment of joy then experiencing pain <laughs> immediately. So Adam had a pure joy in his body language, his face, everything else, champagne rays spraying in oh. the air, and then getting form tackled in that moment will never not be fun. It's like a run-in in the ring for WWE. And good for, good for the USGA for having some fun with it. Yeah, the letter. Uh, Adam, glad you're feeling better and made the trip. Your safety and security are our utmost priority. We're here to support you in uh, your well-being. So great. To ensure your well-being. Uh, signed by the USGA. Uh, well done. We still await uh, word on the Ja Morant uh, discipline and suspension. We had a, a poll question up uh, on your opinion, the audience's opinion, on when we might see that come down. Chad, I, I wouldn't select anything other than after the, uh, the championship parade for Denver. And quite possibly news dump time on Friday. Yeah, it's, it's how does the NBA view it? Is it news dump worthy because they're not going to like it? Or it, is it Monday morning, 8 a.m. worthy to get, to get everything shows out there? talking about it? Either, I mean, how, look, it's, here it is, Hutton. But we're is talking it, about it, a – we don't know of a suspension yet we're talking well, about. Well, is it any news is good news? Is that the philosophy? Mm. Because everyone's going to be talking now. about the NBA? It is now. Not during the final. Well, how do they view it? You know, I, don't, I don't know, right? Because – you could say, hey, we're going to lay the hammer down. This is going to make us look tough, and it's going to get every talk show talking about it. Let's release this news at 8 a.m. on a Monday and get everyone discussing. Or you could be saying, man, John Morant being one of the stars of this league is an embarrassment based on what we found out. Let's put out all the information, all this added information that Adam Silver mentioned that we've learned about the John Morant situation. Let's get all that news out at Friday at 5.30 p.m. As outspoken as Silver has been, though, I don't think he's worried about the bad news and, and the secrecy of it. I, I won't be surprised if it's leaked to, you know, one of the top reporters in the league. And that's how it's, you know, the breaking news happens. And then you Whoa, have the Bob. statement. Yeah, and then you have the statement from the, from the NBA. Uh, along with, I mean, he's been vocal, not just through, you know, the, writing a paragraph, but he's going on, you know, different uh, sets during the playoffs and, and speaking on it. So I, I think Silver will speak to it, and that would come – the weekend after whatever news could possibly come out. But, it, I mean, the timetable itself, um, you know, he, he would not speak on um, whether or not they had enough evidence or they had reviewed enough on the, the uh, NBA referee who had a burner account. He wouldn't directly answer a question about that. But he did answer a question about John Morant and said that we've uncovered more details. Well, that tells me that they already have enough and they have in their structure, we have enough to uh, lay down harsh discipline and whatever that means will be laid out and that's forthcoming after the finals. I don't disagree with the way they've handled it because I do think he's been out front with this. Yeah, you don't want to undercut your main event, the NBA finals, understandable. 
But now the question is, do you want to keep the NBA in the sports news cycle by releasing this at a time where everyone's going to talk about it? Or do you want it to go away? I don't know how Adam Silver is going to view it. My assumption is he wants it to go away. And this will be a Friday news dump type situation. Hard to, hard to just cover it up and not have people talk about it to that degree, though, because they're now going into the desert of the NFL calendar year. Teams are wrapping up. Armando Salguero will, will give us the top headlines from the last uh, couple of weeks across the NFL. That's coming up uh, an hour from now when we come back. Play Travis will join us. That's next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike across the Outkick Network with Hutton and Withrow. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Clay Travis joins us, president at Outkick. And uh, from going back and forth with former Vice President Mike Pence today uh, with uh, the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton show. To we hope this down- interview is even more contentious That's right, than yeah. that moment with Mike Pence. Like That's what sports we hope headlines today. today. Clay, good to see you. And uh, we hope everything's going well. Everything's great. How are y'all doing? Doing very well. Uh, we we opened the show today. See if, if you if the comparison is fair. I, I hope that Jay Monahan, uh, health wise, is okay. Um, but on the eve of the U.S. Open, where he's stepping away on medical leave uh, due to a medical situation, uh, this does immediately. I'm thinking of Urban Meyer at Florida. Uh, is that is it fair for me to immediately think that given all of the turmoil and criticism that is on Monahan right now and all of the talk off of the course that will be all about this merger between Liv and the PGA Tour? Look, I, I mean, I believe Jay Monahan is 53 years old, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so uh, he's not an older man. He's certainly under a lot of stress. Uh, as a result of this announcement. And so what this does is, I mean, it, it, it makes me, when someone says I'm not healthy enough to be able to do my job normally and or to be able to appear, um, I will, okay, accept you at your word, right? Because we don't know. Maybe he does have a really serious health condition. But the timing for him is awfully convenient to not have to show up and face the uh, face the furious condemnation and outrage and just intensity of the U.S. Open uh, media coverage that would be there if he were appearing. Right. So uh, I'll, I'll take him at his word because it is possible that given the immense stress that he is under, um, it wouldn't be shocking if he did have some sort of health-related condition. It wouldn't be shocking to me. But also, it's very convenient. Um, and it is such in a way where you're not able to challenge him 
because I do think you have to take when somebody says I'm not healthy enough to do my job. I think you have to accept that they're telling the truth, uh, even though, again, the timing is very, uh, very uh, helpful to him in terms of helping to keep him out of the, the line of fire. Yeah, and Clay, could part of that stress be related to the fact that the PGA, after announcing a merger in their press release, went back and eliminated the word merger from all the language to describe what happened. And now it's referred to as more of, of an alliance or a partnership with Live Tour, and you've got rumblings about the government getting involved and maybe this deal isn't done right now. So even after all this turmoil and criticism coming Monahan's way, the deal may not even go down. Could that all be part of it? And can you help explain what may be going on with the finer points of, of this plan? Well, I very many people involved in announcing the live and, uh, and PGA merger as it was initially described. And then I bet some of the lawyers looked at that and said, "Uh Oh guys, we're going to have major FTC issues. You know, that is the federal trade commission in the Biden administration. If we are describing this as merger. And in fact, I think Jay Monahan said, you know, this basically eliminates a competitor, which is the very definition of what the FTC would be concerned about. Right. Uh, that this is a merger that eliminates competition in the field of golf. And so it would be strongly within their purview. Whereas if this were described, for instance, as a live investment in the PGA, right, where live is buying some sort of equity stake uh, and, and putting, you know, billions of dollars potentially into the PGA coffers as a result, that's maybe something that doesn't need to be reviewed as much by the PGA, right? So I would suspect that they tried to keep this announcement so close to the vest that the number of highly trained lawyers who were involved was probably way less than would ordinarily be the case. And I'll just give you an example. When I sold OutKick to Fox, at one point, I looked at a Zoom that we were having and I believe there were 19 attorneys on the call. <laughs> and that is a relatively small investment in the grand scheme of things compared to a multi-billion dollar investment, which Liv and the PGA would be involved in. But based on reports, it appears there were only four or five people on each side that were involved and apprised of what exactly was going on here in an effort to keep this from ever going public at all. So my guess is that the number of lawyers who would typically have papered this deal and been providing the due diligence on a deal of this magnitude and this nature was actually not where it ordinarily would be. And when they saw the announcement here, a lot of their uh, a lot of their heart palpitations went off and they said, my goodness, who signed off on this announcement? Have you even considered the legal implications of what you are putting forth to the public? And uh, and the lawyers were not happy and have gone back and revised it. That's the way that I would break this down uh, as someone who is both a lawyer and has been involved in uh, in some uh, some purchase related activities that uh, that certainly would create a uh, a big, um, you know, sort of universe of uh, of interested parties. Clay, 19 lawyers on the call counting you or 20 counting you? I, I don't even remember now. I think it was uh, – I, I don't think I was counting myself. Okay. But the, the most of those lawyers were not on my side, right? <laughs> we did not have the uh, 
you were uh, if you were looking at the uh, if you were looking at the relative associational value of, of lawyers. And by the way, all those lawyers charge in probably you know a thousand dollars an hour. Yeah. So uh, so you can well imagine you know. <laughs> and my point on that is just how many people are involved in papering a deal that involves anything of 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 any kind of substantial magnitude for big entities like the PGA and Live. And I would bet that they kept the lawyers uh, out of the mix because. And look, I say this fondly as a lawyer, a lot of times lawyers are creating scenarios where deals become more complicated to do. And so the business side people don't always like to bring in the lawyers to pay for deals uh, because they want to get the you know parameters of a deal hammered out as business people before they bring in the cavalry, so to speak, and the lawyers start uh, getting involved in the, uh, in the, you know, uh, picayune details, for lack of a better way to describe it, of trying to pay for a transaction of this magnitude. Well, Clay, maybe former Blue Jays pitcher Anthony Bass should lawyer up, even though I don't know that he has a legal claim against the Blue Jays. But the Blue Jays GM did come out and say that he was released and sent to the minors uh, or sent down because he was a distraction after promoting the boycotts of Bud Light and Target. Um, what do you make of this story and, and where Anthony Bass goes from here and maybe what this story tells us about speaking out when it's not in line with what teams and leagues are currently promoting? Well, look, I think the big story here, and this is what I wrote at OutKick, is it definitely calls into question all of the sports media people who claim to be outraged based on the way Colin Kaepernick was treated. Uh, because if you just break this down – Colin Kaepernick, in uniform at work, made a political statement during the national anthem uh, that created a great deal of tempest turmoil and, frankly, lack of support for his employer, San Francisco 49ers, and his larger employer, the NFL. And he was allowed to finish out the entire year. Indeed, he finished out the entire year uh, as actually the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and then he didn't get a deal after that, and the sports media spent years ripping the NFL for allowing that to happen. Um, here, the sports media demanded that Anthony Bass be fired for an Instagram post that he made in his free time outside of work. And, and I would just say, and this is what I've been saying for years, I think every athlete, I think every employee should be able to share his or her opinion uh, on social media. And I said this, you know, when Kurt Schilling got fired by ESPN for doing this, um, I've said this for, for years, right? I think this, this, this precedent that has been set of everything that you say on social media, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, is a reflection of your employer is wrong, right? Um, I don't know how many people we employ at OutKick. There's a lot of them. People have all sorts of different opinions at OutKick. Um, they shouldn't all have the same opinion. And when you are sharing your private opinion <laughs> that doesn't directly relate to your work, I don't think you should lose your job over that. Um, and I think one of the worst precedents we've set with social media is this idea that what you put on social media is in some way a reflection of who employs you and you shouldn't be able to be employed if people decide, oh, that opinion is unacceptable, right? But I'm a big believer in the marketplace of ideas. And that's why I've been arguing for a long time, people weren't supporting Kaepernick in sports media because they really desperately believe 
that every player should be able to make a political statement during the national anthem in uniform at work. They were supporting him because they agreed with his political perspective. And that's why this Anthony Bass example is a perfect distillation of that, because here's a guy who's privately on his phone and on his Instagram story, my understanding, not even his own Instagram, just an Instagram story, which people don't even realize, lasts only 24 hours, shared a statement about the boycott of Target and Bud Light saying he was supportive of it. And next thing you know, there is a demand that he be immediately fired by the Toronto Blue Jays for that opinion. Well, there's no way to square that, right, with Kaepernick, because Bass, in his private free time, should be entitled, I think, to have any political opinion under the sun. And in fact, if he had said, shame on Bud Light and shame on uh, Target and anybody who would, sorry, anybody who would boycott them, shame on them, he wouldn't have lost his job. So he is losing his job for a political opinion he shared, and he's losing it immediately. He's not even being able to finish out the full year like Kaepernick did. So to me, uh, what it sends the message of is one that I think has been true for some time, and that it is you are allowed to have certain opinions. You can't be fired, really, for having too far of a left-wing opinion. But if you question any sort of left-wing political values, you can be fired immediately. But the similarities are the general managers in the NFL didn't want Kaepernick in part because he was a distraction. And, and that's what uh, Ross Atkins is saying here, the general manager of the Blue Jays. Here, the part of the story, Clay, um, that, that really got to me is it not, not just the coverage, but the way that, that Anthony Bass was asked to bend the knee and apologize. Um, he does. He takes down the video. He releases a statement. He apologizes. Um, he's booked to catch the ceremonial first pitch at one of the Pride Night events there in Toronto. And they sent him down to the minors right after it, he was booked, before that night even occurred. But prior to that, Ross Atkins, the general manager, actually said he would not be disciplined because he was apologetic and accountable. Those are the quotes from the general manager who then sent him down for being a distraction, uh, which... Uh, it, one of two things. Either he is such a distraction that it was so disruptive that he had to go, which is unlikely because the GM had his back for at least a, a moment in time, or someone above laid down the hammer and Ross Atkins moved him to back back down to the minors. And 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 let me also throw this in. You had uh, pitchers, uh, what, Trevor Williams, uh, who was uh, came out against whatever the Dodgers were doing. Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, Clayton Kershaw, who spoke out against that. I wish we had those same guys with those voices that would and speak out on this uh, instance for a, a, a guy who's not on the same plane level as the starters that we're referencing here. Yeah, look, I think the Major League Baseball Players Association should stand up here and point out what they think is, is occurring as being wrong. Um, I also bet, again, this is the disadvantage of having you know a phone in your pocket. I doubt this Blue Jays player when he shared something on his Instagram story, thought that what he was doing was going to end up costing him his job, right? I think that's probably the way that most people behave on social media in general, which is with the idea that they are, that they are entitled to have their own opinion. This is what I've always said. Like, I think every player should be able to have whatever opinion he or she wants on social media. Uh, I think there's a difference when you are in uniform at work making a statement because Again, take it outside of athletics. Uh, if I went to McDonald's today and I ordered a hamburger 
And when the person took my order, they said, hey, meat's murder. I don't think you should order a hamburger. I think McDonald's would be where with it, well within their right to fire an employee because, hey, I'm just coming to get a hamburger. I don't need to have your political opinion. Now, if you want to drive around in a car you know, with a loudspeaker uh, saying that meat is murder when you're not at McDonald's, I don't think you should get fired for that outside of McDonald's, right? Um, and so, uh, again, that's a precedent that's pretty easy for me to apply. And look, the reality is, I think probably in both cases, if both players were better, they wouldn't have lost their jobs, right? If, and I've used this example for a long time. If Aaron Rodgers had taken a knee during the national anthem and said he was doing so because he believed that ISIS was being unfairly treated, he'd still be a starting quarterback in the NFL because he's just that good, right? Patrick Mahomes could take a knee for virtually any reason during the national anthem, and he would still be employed in the NFL, right? Um, and so I think, uh, you know, the distraction angle I've said for a long time, and I think it's always important for everybody to realize so long as your problems don't exceed your talents, you'll always be, uh, employed, right? If you are the best car salesman on a lot, you can get away with more than the worst car salesman on the lot can do. Um, and that's always been the case and it always will be the case because talent helps to cleanse uh, sometimes the challenges that you might create otherwise. But as soon as your problems exceed your talents in the mind of your employer, you're going to be gone. I just don't happen to agree with the precedent uh, that sharing a, uh, a story on social media should end up uh, costing you uh, your, uh, your ability to make a living. Clay Travis with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Clay, uh, now that the NBA Finals is, is over, Nuggets are champions. That next on the docket will be the Ja Morant uh, suspension, the discipline. How do you think the NBA handles this and the timetable for which Adam Silver will will go by now that everything on the, the national TV scale isn't focused on the championship trophy? Yeah, is this a Friday night news dump, Clay, or is this a yeah, Monday yeah, morning release it, I, to get more talk about the NBA? I think it's probably a Friday, um, you know, uh, news dump release. Um, I would say the same thing that I said about the Major League Baseball Players Association. I would, if I were an NBA player, want the NBA to defend uh, John Morant, the NBA Players Association, that is, to defend John Morant to the utmost of, of their ability, right? That's why you're in the union. Uh, the union has to defend knuckleheads. Um, you know, and this is true no matter what union you're in most people who are really great workers never get much benefit from the union um, because they would continue to be employed no matter what. Most unions end up spending most of their time, no matter what the union is, defending the knuckleheads. Uh, but that's why the union exists. And so uh, we'll see to what extent John Morant's behavior uh, was potentially criminal in nature um, in the past. We'll also see how this uh, this, the, whatever the NBA has uncovered corresponds to what they've uncovered before. Um, and, uh, and see what the interplay of all of this, uh, ends up being. Uh, real quick, Clay, you're, who, who do you think would be good across from Skip Bayless now that Shannon Sharp's off of undisputed? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what direction they want to go in. And this could be an opportunity to re-examine the way that the show is structured. Um, you know, with, uh, with that in mind, I mean, you know, we've seen Stephen A. Smith, we've seen Shannon Sharp. I would think that they probably will go 
uh, with, uh, you know, given the fact that I think the audience for a lot of these shows is largely black, I would think they probably want to pair skip with, uh, you know, a black talent, maybe a former athlete. Um, but I don't have a good sense because skip, I think is going to make the, uh, overall decision and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're going to take this as an opportunity to redesign the show in some way with Shannon Sharp leaving. Uh, but, uh, I, I don't have a, uh, a strong take on who the best, you know, verbal jouster with, uh, with, uh, uh, Skip Bayless going forward would be, um, because I, I just, I, I frankly don't know the overall talent at FS1 that well now. Cowherd's got an incredible show, um, but outside of that, I don't really, uh, I, don't, I don't really have a great optics on uh, all the available talent. Curious to see how they restructure things because he alluded to that briefly uh, in the going away statement by. Shannon it wouldn't Char- shock me, by the way, if they started having for a while rotating, yeah, revolving uh, door you know, of co-hosts. Kind of like what they've done yeah, on first and, take. And also, I mean, that's basically what they did with first take, right? Stephen yeah. A used to debate against Max Kellerman, I think, every day. And now they've created kind of more of a roundtable feel. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they followed that uh, that organizational structure and kind of brought in different people based on the topics to, uh, to debate the issues of the day in sports. Clay, when's the uh, next presidential candidate joining you on the show? It's a good question. Um, you you welcome all. Pretty, I know that Mike Pence coming back on tomorrow yeah, think, after today. Uh, he should, based on uh, <laughs> based on how that went. He should want to come back on as soon as he can. I kind of think he fell flat on his face. Um, I think we got Chris Christie. We had Nikki Haley yesterday. Um, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to have basically every uh, every candidate. And by the way, we had uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. on. Uh, you know, I don't think Joe Biden could talk to us for 10 minutes in a row without tripping all over himself, but certainly he'd be welcome on the show too. Clay, always great, man. Uh, we'll catch up soon and, and have a good rest of the week. All right, we'll do. Appreciate it. Yeah, Clay Travis there, Outkick's founder, joins us weekly here on uh, Wednesdays. Uh, still to come, Armando Salguero uh, in about 45 minutes or so. Uh, always great on NFL coverage for Outkick. I got some thoughts on the Anthony Bass situation and how it compares to Clayton Kershaw and Trevor Williams. There's an important distinction here that we can't lump everything into the same group with what was done and what was said. That's next on Hot Mike. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up, we will compare and contrast uh, situations for Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw in comments made against what was taking place in Los Angeles versus Anthony Bass, also a pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, who's been, uh, he's now on assignment uh, after posting something on his social media account. There's a way to handle things and a way not to handle things. That's a tease for what we're going to discuss. Plus the Stanley Cup champs. Well, they didn't have to wait long to become Stanley Cup champs. Our, our thoughts there. Uh, Davey Hudson joins us. Uh, and these are tongue-in-cheek iPhone updates that he's bringing to the show that have me in nightmare mode. 
if that can be a tongue-in-cheek reference to the iPhone as well. Davey, uh, explain what, you're, what you have here and uh, the pitching new iPhone features that uh, will never happen, never see the light of day, but have us paranoid. Absolutely, Hut. So to take you back, we have a guy named Soren Iverson. He's one of those tech guys, just comes up with new ideas Soren. constantly. He sounds like a tech guy, right? Soren. The Iverson's throwing me off. I'm thinking AI when I, when I hear that. Well, maybe you could view him as the, well, AI wasn't the goat. I was about to say he's the goat of this. Never mind. Terrible analogy. Scratch the that. Answer. Anyway, Soren Iverson has created these iPhone features. They're obviously fake, but as we know with the iPhone, they're always trying to roll out something new. Apple's yep. always got something around the corner they're trying to promote. So Sorensen thought it would, Soren thought it would be a good idea to put a few fake features out there. And I want to get your thoughts on how you view these. And the first one is the idea of Google Maps, but you cannot see areas that you have yet to explore. Oh. If you look on the screen, you can kind of see an idea of what that would look like as, <laughs> as he has it here. He's only checked out the Taco Bell and I believe what Santa Ana, California. What's the game Sims? But it was like, you, know, you build your own like... Uh, Sim City? Not Sim City, but you like build your own land or whatever. And then you... Uh, you, you could only see the the property that you had, and the the world would expand. Is that Sim? Uh, Sim City. It, it might be. That's what this reminds I, me of. I never did play that, but there are a lot of open world games. I know Assassin's Creed was a big one where you you <laughs> I had feel to like there's just a Taco visit. Bell in this little yeah. area that's that's actually visible. Yeah, well, to unlock those new areas by visiting them. <laughs> so I know this comes as a shock to many gamers out there, but you know, real life is different from video games, and you go to a map to see the map. Gotta see it. Uh, so this is an awful idea in every possible way. Life often imitates art, though, Chuck. I give it zero out of 100. It's a bit harsh, but okay. I'll pass that along to Soren. Uh, do you want to give it a rating out of 100? I know that wasn't... No, what I'm going to try to do is tell you the one that I could live with. I could not live yeah, with that. Yeah, there's only one on here I think that I may be able to live with just by the tease. Absolutely could not live with the map feature. I use it all the time. Yeah. Gotcha. What is this? Our next one. Oh, so this is a feature for DoorDash. You know, you... Want to get some food just sent to you. It's very common. People too lazy to go get it themselves nowadays. So you have somebody bring it. But in the idea here that Soren's putting forth is you can have what's called a bite request. So like, let's say you get a hamburger and some fries from a fast food restaurant or whatever. The driver's able to just take a couple of fries here or there, you know, just uh, helping a guy out, letting him. They can send me a message asking if they could take a quick bite, like they're hungry, they want a couple fries. Yeah, now, uh, he Soren did not put this out there, but I would say there's a limit on the number of fries you can take. Otherwise, it's going to start to hurt their their rating as far as how well they do on the dashing. Yeah, this is um, this is going to be shocking, but I think I'm more okay with this one than any other one for this reason. If you are a cheap person and you can do this in lieu of a monetary tip, if ah. someone says reduce Bite the tip request. by a couple dollars, if I can take some fries, and you're trying to cut back on fries, then you say by all means, bite request accepted. Enjoy the bites, have a few fries, and then your tip becomes less. I'm shockingly of, okay with this. Of the two I've seen, I can live with this, this one, one more. I, I can live with it. Yeah, I'd only be frustrated if he got the, well, again, I don't use DoorDash, but if, if, if I was a person who did, he ended up taking the one onion ring that you accidentally got in the process. That would be pretty infuriating. But guys, our last one, this one, I'm, I'm really curious to get your guys' thoughts, but the iOS send your friends surprise alarms. I, I mean... Do we even need to have the discussion? Nightmare fuel here. It's awful. Because all it is is just a way to annoy your buddies. That's what it becomes. So, 
Absolutely not. Yeah, I can see anti alarm. I can see a marriage getting ruined because of this, where it's uh, the wife or the husband just says, "All right, time to take the laundry out, or time to mow the yard." And Dinner's, getting those- dinner is served, Chad. Yeah, get inside right now. <laughs> Weed eating time. Well, can- Turn your lineup in, please. Five thirty p.m. Time to uh, time to weed eat. I mean, this is all. Imagine the parents of the softball team having this app, and they could send this to Chad. Yeah, time to work on your practice plan tonight, Coach. Yeah, the the bite request is far better than the other two. Yeah, I, I would I would livable. accept the bite request, but again, it's got to be in lieu of a tip. Yeah, in lieu of a tip, and it also it would require me using DoorDash instead of just having a phone in my hand. I'm trying to think of a way. Maybe or just going to the place. Well. The easy way around this is just to set the alarm for yourself. But what if there was a situation where you both like agreed to do it? I, I mean, I've been in situations where, let's say, your friend's supposed to take you to the airport, but they're prone to oversleeping. And oh, and then you can send the alarm. Yes. on your side of things. But they have to agree to it. I, here's a here's a just a wacky. But again, idea. there's a simple way. Just have a that. friend text you and say, "Hey, reminder to set that alarm for tomorrow morning." <laughs> yeah, that's a way to do that instead of having to set the alarm for them. I mean, you have that feature on your phone. Someone could text you and say, "Reminder, you got to be up at six a.m. for that flight." If someone, this is more that of a prank feature for sure. Yeah, it's and terrible. Uh, Davey Hudson would love this. You would but like I do this like, one. I, I, think. I applaud. I think the you would choose this one of the of the three. Ah, man, you would choose this one. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I even get scared sometimes when my alarm goes off, and I know I'm the one that said it. Well, you do it when someone... Maybe sending alarms to I remind mean, people to stay quiet someone's during, at this, a funeral and during someone's, the viewing of this film. Someone's giving you an, an alert, you know, an alarm during the funeral, or you're at a movie, and they know you're there. I mean, this is just awful. Coming but up... But creative. Um, I think it's awful that a franchise in the NHL, in season six of its existence, is hoisting the Stanley Cup trophy. Already two Stanley Cup final appearances. Our thoughts on how the NHL served up the Stanley Cup to Las Vegas. Next. Next. 